It had been a trying three episodes since I began immersing myself in the sordid details of this case, and my commitment to recovering and then uncovering the truth was beginning to evoke in me a deep feeling of isolation. I needed to take a moment to step outside of my work and make sure that my feet were stuffed firmly into my shoes and that my shoes were planted firmly on the ground. I descended from atop my ivory tower and made my way to my mother June's house in hopes of chatting with her and gaining perspective. As I stood on her front porch, knocking on the door and ringing the bell, I looked out over the front yard where I'd played as a young boy. It was now overgrown and tagged with graffiti that read Beware the Witch of Davistown. I began to wonder what my mother's life was like in the days of the Davistown Goose Ganker. I thought of all the questions I was desperate to ask her. Like, how was she doing? Would she like a glass of water? What was Davistown like in the 1980s? Did she herself have a house goose in the years before I was born? What was my dad's name? Do I look like him? Would he be proud of me? But my mother was notoriously secretive. I knew next to nothing about her past. And if she'd indeed owned a goose in the 1980s, I could only imagine how the loss of such a treasured companion would have affected her ability to love a child. As I continued knocking, looking through her window and calling her name as she turned off all the lights and hid behind her couch, I became overwhelmed with compassion for my mother. I felt that, through my work on this case, I finally understood where she'd been coming from all this time. I finally understood that my mother's unwillingness to connect with me in any sort of maternal way stemmed from the trauma of losing a hypothetical goose, and that I needed to accept her for who she is, a gooseless widow who drives a semi on the weekends. And now, this case was even more personal. From my ivory tower in Davistown, Pennsylvania, this is Done Disappeared with me, John David Booter. A few months into researching this case, I began to notice what seemed like a pattern where geese were going missing and then were never seen again. And just like Davistown police in the 1980s, I was beginning to feel like this investigation was sending me on a wild goose chase. But unlike Davistown police in the 1980s, I knew that this case was solvable because it had already been solved by Davistown police in the 1980s. And I had something that the Davistown police could never have had in the 1980s. A global platform. And also a detailed account of the successful investigation by Davistown police in the 1980s. The first thing I noticed in reviewing the investigation was that in the 1980s, Davistown police had felt that the Golden Goose pageant would be a good place to start. But this was 2017. And I felt that the Golden Goose pageant would be a good place to start. The annual Golden Goose pageant ended in 1980 with the rise of the Davistown Goose Ganker. But like any kid who grew up here in Davistown, Pennsylvania, 
I had been rigorously educated on the pageant's history since early childhood. The pageant began in 1914, when Jefferson Davis, the founder of Davistown, drunkenly demanded what became the inaugural Golden Goose pageant out of boredom and affluenza. The strength of the community's efforts to fulfill his request resulted in a sweeping spectacle and smashing success. The Golden Goose pageant became an annual event, and taking home the title could change a family's life. And although I was well-versed in the rich history of the pageant, I needed further perspective on its role in the community around the time of its demise in 1980. I spoke to my dear friend, town gossip Lorraine Brockley-Vini, to get all the dirt I could on what the pageant scene was like in the few years leading up to the Goose Gankings, when Bonnet was ruling the scene. Lorraine, thanks for being with us. Um, you're one of our most trusted, most reliable sources, and um, we're excited to talk to you about this case. Uh, so. Joel David Booter, bless your heart. I could just go on and on. Okay, well, that's why we're here, so Now, I have it. attended the Golden Goose pageant uh-huh. about every single year since I was a little girl. Matter of fact, I did have my own goose who was competing a few of those years. Her name was Pigtail. Oh. Now, Pigtail took her own life in 1972, so by the time Bonnet started competing, I had no horse in the goose race. I was just a spectator. Right, and did Bonnet seem nervous? Let me tell you what about that little Bonnet. Okay. Every year, she'd be dressed more and more inappropriate. Really? Well, her mama had done lost her mind at that point, no doubt. I verified with Corndog that what Lorraine told me was true, that Bonnet and her mother Jane were no strangers to controversy. Bonnet, there was a little bit of scandal because her mother, Susan, her mother, Jane, had put her in a very provocative outfit that was just glitters and spangles and sequins. It was real, real Jezebel-type stuff. She was dressing that goose like a full-grown adult, low-income human woman. She'd skip out on stage in a little BB top with no bottoms on and her little blue ribbon and a gold chain around her big long neck that said, Daddy's Girl. And we was all looking at each other like, what in the world? And, you know, some people didn't like that. Pageant director Babette Berger-Valentine and her husband, Rusty Cummings Curtis Berger-Valentine, were among those who took issue with Bonnet's bold style. Bonnet was a beautiful baby girl, and I'm not saying she did nothing wrong. But her mama? <laughs> we were starting to get the wrong kind of press. Now, Annie Press is good press, but, but Bonnet's reputation was... This was goose good. would get kicked out of church showing up looking like that. Here she was at a family event. All the other contestants would be dressed goose appropriate in cute little raincoats or sailor hats. And then out waddles Bonnet in a halter top and hoop earrings smoking a cigarette, her bonnet all askew, wearing more makeup than a birthday clown. A real sexy birthday clown with real sexy eyelashes. Just wasn't right. But she won the pageant anyway, if you can believe that. Two years in a row. But that's only because Susan was sleeping with all of the judges, and I mean every single one. The thing with Bonnet was she was just such a standout star. And she, you know, she had that it factor that, you know, she just took the competition by storm. And, you know, a little bit of controversy sometimes, you know, helps push you to the top. So because of that, we thought, oh, no, there had been someone who had come in and was peeping and was taking pictures and was, you know, maybe filming stuff with their video and all kinds of inappropriate stuff. So we thought, oh no, somebody's come in 
spy these geese, want to take them home and, you know, you know, make them their prize. The controversy surrounding Bonnet became more heated with each goose that went missing, and by the end of the month, it had reached a fever pitch, and Bonnet's mother's mother Jane was living in a nightmare. I mean, people were out to ruin my life. Had people throwing goose eggs at my house. I had pictures of me in the paper saying I was drunk at a wet t-shirt contest when really I was mid-sneeze blouse soaked with tears. I was living in a nightmare. Jane was living in a nightmare. The details of her plight were difficult for me to hear, and possibly even more difficult for her to have experienced. I was now more determined than ever to solve this case by getting to the bottom of the page in the report I'd been reading from 1987, in which Davistown police solved the case. We, we were scared because, you know, Davistown's such a small town, and it's such a family community, and the idea that one of our own peeping on these geese, or let alone a stranger come in, we just weren't sure. But, you know, it turned out that wasn't the case at all. But I kept praying that one day they'd find who ganked my bonnet. And sure enough, they did. Next week on Dunn Disappeared. Tonight, little bonnets, little gooses in high stakes beauty pageants showing off their long necks and little beaks in sexualized spangled glitter clothing, bikinis, and long gold chains. Their mothers looking on from a distance, motivating or victimizing them. What kind of sickos? Attend this kind of thing. That's up for debate tonight. Done Disappeared is written by me, John David Booter. Edited by me, John David Booter. Produced by me, John David Booter. And my business partner, Bubbles. Additional reporting for this episode by me, John David Booter. Music by Steve Moore. For a full track list, look at our show notes. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, please, don't disappear.